ברוכים הבאים, שם השם, פרחנוכם ובייס השם. Tonight's year is dedicated to Fresca. No. <laughs> yeah, okay. Fresca's there. They went to pick up the Fresca on this end. Um, tonight's shir is dedicated to my uncle, Shmuel Bravisol, whose yard site was today, Chav Ches Kislev. Twentieth day of Kislev. Being recorded today. Oh, cat is in the house. Okay, Baruch Hashem. Happy Hanukkah, cat, and everybody else in the family. Lovely to see the menorah by the window. Hope I'm not disturbing the menorah lightings. Tafshalam at Zion. Nineteen See to it that fulfill the ritual slaughtering. Let's see to it that we have kosher meat, chicken. Well, of course, we know to fulfill the criteria to be a shochet, one has to be a Yerushalayim, God fearing person. And a car of six people. All Shachtim, Baikim, traveling to Empire, kosher poultry, was involved in a terrible accident, and five of the Shachtim were killed on the spot. And one of which was a Shmuel ben Abishal. Tragically, the week before this, on Chai Kislev, if I remember if I mentioned or not, his mother had passed away. And on Matzai Shabbos, after the Shiva, <coughs> he told his father he was going to Pennsylvania. His father had asked him to stay on till the Shleshim, till 30 days to make sure he had a minion. And he said, I have to go away. So I'll tell us that 24 hours or a certain amount of time prior to one's passing, one is given a warning and one knows what is going to happen to them. It's quite tragic. This was a tragedy to the Jewish nation at large, and of course, to the family individually. The son, my cousin, Baruch Hashem, follows Daf Yemi, and therefore makes a siyam each year on the yard site. And also traditionally tells the famous story Reb Menachem Zemba, very holy Torah scholar, 
right before World War II, was extremely close with the Rebbe. And saw to it <coughs> to attend the Rebbe's wedding. And he brought with him an orphan which whom he was raising post war was my fresco. You didn't the fresco? They didn't bring my fresco, you see. I I was waiting in the car. Ah, listen. We have we have almost everything but the fresco. We have donuts, and we have uh, all the different things, but no fresco. We'll have to settle for seltzer tonight. And the doorbell. The Menachem Zemba, Zeichel Tzadik Levracha, brought with him a little orphan, a 12-year-old orphan. And he brought this orphan with him, this is pre-war actually, practically speaking (coughs) so he brought Menachem Greenwald with him to the wedding They arrived in Warsaw. The day after the wedding, who was it? The Zemba went up to the hotel with the Rebbe, the Chassan the Rebbe was, and he brought this boy with him. And he discussed many different deep Torah subjects, matters. And then, the Rebbe turned to the boy and asked him if he knows the significance of the fifth night of Hanukkah. Tonight, in case you haven't looked at Jemenera lately, it's five lights. Do you know the significance of the fifth night of Hanukkah? Why people make such a to-do and a simcha and a suda on the fifth night of Hanukkah? And the Rebbe continued to answer. The fifth night of Hanukkah is the only night that can never come out on Shabbos. Shabbos is a light of its own. Shabbos brings tremendous light to the world. But if it's a night that cannot come out on Shabbos, Shabbos will never be on this night. We need to rely on the light of the Menorah to break through and illuminate the darkness of this night. Excuse me. And this, therefore, is the greatness of the fifth light, which is known as the Finif Talichtal. In the Hayyim Yem it's brought down, of course, that the fourth or fifth night was always Latkis night in the family of the Beis Harav. And Dreidel would be played. It says... No. It says fourth or the fifth night, it says. Check the Hayyim Yem again. No, don't say that. I didn't say anything about it, Soda. No, he gave out on the 4th or 5th night because... It was called Latkes Oven. Not necessarily. It was called Latkes Oven. You do your homework and one day... Okay, read it. Argue with me, but read it anyway. Yeah, I'll read it to you. Okay, we'll have it read verbatim. Yeah... Oh, it's called Latkes Ovent? 
Yes, but it was. So what are you saying? No. It was the fourth and fifth night. That's what I said. So then it brings down somewhere else about the fourth or fifth night. Give it Hanukkah on the fourth or fifth night because those could make it on the fourth night. Okay. No, it was maybe the fourth or fifth. Was that something? Huh? Was that something? I don't know. Not there yet. Anyway, then the Rebbe proceeded to tell him. Therefore, the mission that we have unplug the bottom one. The mission that we have, therefore, is to light up the world. How does one light up the world or through darkness? It doesn't matter, says the Rebbe. If the person is in Warsaw or in London, the person's mission is to light up the world. And so, the war broke out. This boy had gotten married already. Had a family of children. Everybody ended up in the concentration camps. Everyone was destroyed. And this fellow survived. Somehow, miraculously, as he survived... His uncle, he had an uncle in America who sent him a ticket to come to New York. And he came here and his uncle found him a shidduch. A girl from Toronto. So he decided... For his wedding, to go to the Friedrich Rebbe and ask for a bracha. And he did. Hmm? After receiving the bracha, he wasted the pain. You wait, because it's not going to be enough for the full thing. After receiving a bracha from the Rebbe, the Rebbe told him, since you're friendly with my son-in-law, go down and speak to him as well. And he came down to the Rebbe. The Rebbe immediately recognized him, knew who he was. Asked, the Rebbe was asking him every last detail that he remembers of Menachem Zemba. What happened to him during the war? Then the Rebbe said to him, "This discussion as to why the fifth night of Hanukkah, this is 20 years later, mind you, the fifth night of Hanukkah is so important. And how the darkness, how it never comes out on Shabbos, etc., etc., and the Rebbe says, it doesn't matter if you're in New York or if you're in London. A person has to see to reach every Jew that he can and lighten every Jew's life. He was amazed that the Rebbe repeated again the same thing about the fifth night of Hanukkah. Ultimately, he moved to Toronto and he was part of the Satma community, actually very involved in the Satma community. However, he had suffered a lot of the awkward situation where a lot of the Satmar Chassidim were not very proud of Lubavitch. And they would say a lot of let us just call not com- non-complimentary things about Lubavitch. These people in Satmar in the community in Toronto. Canada. However, he did not know where to stand. He knew where he stood, but he wasn't going to say anything. Put away the money. Then, they wish to help. His son got engaged. He decided to come to New York to get a bracha. 
And as he came to the Rebbe, the Rebbe immediately recognized him. The Rebbe gave him a bracha. And the Rebbe was very open with him, very kind with him. And the Rebbe said to him, again about the fifth night of Hanukkah, and again, the Rebbe mentioned this time, it doesn't matter if you're in Toronto or in London, how you have to seek to help a fellow Jew out of the darkness. Why am I I'm getting a, a, a point from the latest section? Then, the man said, he saw the Rebbe was so open with him, and he saw how the Rebbe knew who he was so well. He said, may I ask the Rebbe a question? The Rebbe said, yes. And he said, the Rebbe, I'm sure the Rebbe knows that in Satma, they're not very keen on the Rebbe's approach, how he reaches out to the not-religious Jew. Who is the not-religious Jew already? What is he worth? The Rebbe said that each and every Jew is precious to the Ebishter. So much so that if Chassashon was a person's own child, they wouldn't say, oh, he's not religious, I'm going to turn my eye on him. But the person would say, my own child I have to reach out to and I have to get back. Each and every Jew is a Ben Yachir and his only child by God. And therefore each and every Jew has to be reached out, reached out to by each and every one of us. Again, that I've repeated about the fifth night of Hanukkah, whether you're in Toronto or whether you're in London. A few years later, his second son became a chassan. And this time, the wedding was in London. However, there was no time for him to travel to New York to take the chassan to the Rebbe. And he traveled directly to London. But as he was leaving from Toronto his Satmar neighbor came into him and said, Menachem, I need a major favor from you. You're traveling to London. I didn't tell this to anybody. But he said that his daughter had left the fold. His daughter deserted the family and his daughter left Judaism entirely. Rechman and though he found out now he says my daughter is living in London promise me that you'll go to try to see what you could do for her he knew obviously he had nothing that he could do but he went to London for the chasana in the middle of Shev Brachis the Mechtanim saw that he was very very tzitrogen. he was very something was eating him they asked him, what's wrong with you? And he said, my neighbor, the story, the child, the girl, they said to him, listen, if anyone can help you, there's a rabbi in Chabad, Rabbi Glick, whom I knew personally, very close with, he deals with all these problems. Talk to him. And he called Rabbi Glick and he gave him the details of what the girl and who the girl is and where she is, etc. Rabbi Glick said, leave me your number and I will see what we can do for you. A week or so later, Rabbi Glick calls him, he was still in London, and says, you must come to my house immediately. And as he entered the house, he saw on the couch was sitting and crying his neighbor's daughter. He's crying and she's crying and she's crying. And Rabbi Glick said, listen, I'll be honest with you, I don't know what, how, where, 
But I got her to come in here, and she saw the five candles of the Meneira lit. It was the fin of the Lichtel. And as she saw the five candles of the Meneira lit, she realized the mistake that she had made. Now he understood. Years and years ago, when the Rebbe was referring to London, that in London the darkness on the fifth night of Hanukkah is illuminated to each and every Jew. Now, interestingly, now this is a story that my cousin chooses to tell. Because his father, Olav Shalom, although he didn't know I mean, he knew him, but how well could he have known him if his father passed away at 38 years old? He was married by mitzvah. But his father emanated just such a light. His father was a true chassid. His father was a very giving person. He'd give the shirt off his back for another Jew. And his father was a person... Nothing was too hard when it came to doing a mitzvah. He had a very beautiful, powerful voice. As was natural in the family. As I once said to a, when one of the grandchildren got engaged, by the engagement, I told the uh, new Mechatonim, so you don't know who my uncle was, because it's gone so many years, Chasn was named after him. I told him everybody knew my uncle had a split between his front two teeth. There's a separation. How did everybody know it? Because he was always smiling. He was always smiling, such a beautiful, bright smile. You always saw the happiness and the joy of a true chassid, of a true Yiddish chassid Yid. So today on his yard side, 36 years, 36 years is of course two times high. Anyone that's good at making appeals knows that. Same <laughs> um, old high. Yep. <laughs> Famous, the famous, I've told a million times, story of the rabbi that got the safe stolen from the shul. And he was gets called in the middle of the night, the shaman says, they stole the safe from the shul. He says, oh no, what's the losses? His losses are about sixteen, seventeen thousand dollars 17000 He says, oh, Yvay, how are we going to recoup such a thing? He says, don't worry, rabbi. It's only $16 cash, the rest were pledges. So... A pledge is only a pledge, Nebuch. Sometimes it's only a pledge. I made a promise last week. Semi-promise. To me. That today we would talk a little bit about the connection of Pashas Miketz and Hanukkah. The simplest of the two connections... Vayihi miketz shnasayim yomin. Shnasayim is spelled shin, nun, sof, yud, mem. There is a halacha. The menera should either be lit by a window, or across a mezuzah on the doorpost, by the doorpost. Why by the mezuzah on one side and the menera on the other side? Says Shachanarach, we are surrounded with mitzvahs. Mezuzah on one and the menera on the other, we're surrounded. Shinosayim is an acronym that gives us this halacha. Smel, neiros, tadlik, yemin, mezuzah. On the left side, Light the candle, and on the right side is the mezuzah. 
So Shnosayim is an acronym referring directly to the mitzvah and the halacha of lighting the menorah. Yosef tells his servant or his son to prepare a meal for his brothers. And he uses the expression V'taveach tevach v'heichen V'taveach tevach to prepare them food is numerical value 44. There are 44 days, in, 44 lights in the days of Hanukkah. So we add up each one of the candles on the Shamasim. The clearest connection at the end of Pasha's Miketz, unlike every Pasha in the entire Teda, every Torah portion at the end of the portion it tells us how many Psukim it is in that, uh, there are in that Pasha. At the end of Miketz it says how many psukim there are, and it also says how many words there are in the Pasha. Pasha's Miketz has 2,025 words. Alpayim Chofei Tevis. What's the significance of them telling us the words, and what does that have to do with Hanukkah? We know Amenena on Hanukkah we light a ner, a candle. The word ner is nun reish, two fifty. You remember this, uh, Ronan? Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> At eight times two fifty is two thousand. Each night we light a candle is eight nights is twenty five. Two fifty times eight is two thousand, and we begin on the twenty fifth day of the month on Chafei Kislev. Therefore, 2,025 is the nail that we start on Chafei. And that's, Pashas Miketz has 2,025 words. So that gives us, again, a direct connection, Miketz, to Hanukkah. <laughs> the brothers tell... Yasef, and this actually is going to be, we're going to hear this on Shabbos, but we're not going to hear it on Shabbos morning, we're going to hear it on Shabbos Mincha. In Shabbos Mincha, Vayigash, which ironically, a, not ironically, we know that on Shabbos is Minim is Barcha Bekuli Yemen. All days of the week are blessed by Shabbos. It's fixed. Six nine, six nine. This year, this my puzzle. That's for it. Flags, guys. Hanukkah. It's connected with three Shabbosim. We're sick guys. Vayeshev, which is Erev Hanukkah. Miketz, which is the seventh day of Hanukkah. And the eighth day of Hanukkah is an Aleph Vayigash. In Pash Vayigash, we therefore lay on Mincha. This shop is going to lane for Mincha Vayigash. So, although I was only requested to give them a Kate's connection, since we're going to read from the Tate of Ayigash also. We may as well give a Ayigash connection too. The brothers tell Yosef, Shuvu, Shivru Lonu Miat Eichel. 
Tells the children, Shuva Shiva Lunamat Echel. Shivru Lonu. What's Lonu? Lonu is Lamid Nun Vov. Lamid is 30, Nun is 50, and Vov is 6. It's 86. The word Shivru comes from Shivar, to break. Shivru Lonu. Break the word Lonu. 86 divided by 2? 43. Then he says, Ma'at Eichel. Take the word Eichel, Aleph, Chof, Lamed. Aleph is 1, Chof is 20, Lamed is 30. Which letter means the least? Aleph, 1. Ma'at, the smallest, the least from the Eichel, is Aleph. The 43 plus Aleph? 44 candles of Hanukkah. Really, he sent them to get olive oil. He sent them for olive oil, correct. You know, it's interesting that in Valanism we say, It doesn't say. Sadiqim bidei rishoyim, bidei me'at chazok mechalosh. It says biyad, in the hand of. <coughs> Technically, it should be in the hands of. It should be plural. How does it work that it's singular? Biyad chaloshim, biyad me'atim, biyad tahedim, biyad sadiqim. Well, the truth is. A person. I get emails. Uh-huh. A person. This is very interesting. As we say in the world, united we stand, divided, divided we fall. And the Tater tells, and the United States dollar says, in God we trust. Mm-hmm. But everything is the concept of united, of oneness. And as long as people are at one, ish echad, believe echad, and thereby the Torah was given to them, vayachanu, they rested as one, as long as there's unity, the people are successful. That's why the guy stood him. Therefore, yad, tzadikim, yad, Yad, it's on one hand because they were all united as one. Being all united as one, that's how they were able to win the battle. Is that for me? Yeah. 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 However, when we look at the story with Binyamin, it tells us about Chamesh Yodos five hands we know the Chamesh Yodos referred to Shem Biyad Sadikim Zayden Biyad Eish it says five times the word Yad in the Alanism. Oh. And therefore the Chamesh Yodais that refers to in the Pasha refers to also the Chamesh Yodais that, refer, that we have in, in the Vialanism Tefillah. A dream. <coughs> this is another one of the dreams of an explanation, which uh, I'll repeat it because someone said it, but I don't. I, 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 don't, buy it. I don't buy into it much. But it's Taylor. You know, someone tried to say we're Taylor. 
Yad Rabim Biyad Ma'atim. We know that many were conquered by the singular, by the few. And Gibbeidim Biyad Chaloshim. And the strong were conquered by the weak. <laughs> so the fellow said that in Pashas Miketz, the dream that Yosef has is that the many bow down to the one. All the stars and all those, the wheats and the bundles, they all bow down to him singularly. In Pashas Miketz, we see the Paray's dream that the weak consumes the strong. They, again, the strong in the hands of the weak. Again, it's a reference. It's it, it could be a note, a footnote of a footnote. But who am I to say? If someone said it as a Torah and felt it was a Dvar Torah that he felt was right, uh-oh, what's this? Yeah? I'm middle of this year. I'm middle of this year. No, 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 no. It happens to be my daughter who's helping my daughter-in-law with the children. And when she's all of a sudden calling in the middle of the show, I got scared. I said, what happened here? Why is she calling? She's in Florida, too? No, she's down. <laughs> and it turns out that my grandson wanted to say hi to me, but she didn't realize it was middle of the year. The significance of a dream... As we see last week's Pasha begins and finishes with a dream and this week's Pasha begin, begins with a dream. It ends with a nightmare. Binyamin yeah. gets put into jail. <coughs> Don't tell me that wasn't a nightmare for the brothers. Shimon, not Binyamin. The end of the Pasha, Binyamin. In the middle of the Pasha, Shimon. I got a question for you. Yes. Why did the why did fine when Yosef told the the brother go get Binyamin right right I'm going to put a scheme on him like just someone up and say you're Binyamin a very simple answer why is that let's hear that when the brothers came to Yosef uh-huh. what did the terrorists say they set him by order Yosef recognized them but they didn't recognize him correct they knew exactly who they were all right so. Why would you not recognize him? Because he was wearing um, the king. Mm. He said they should send somebody else instead of Binyamin and say he was Binyamin. He knew who they were. He knew each one of them. He wouldn't know who Binyamin was. That's only a shot. That's the simple reason. But what was it? Why did they not recognize him? Because first of all, some say Yetzirah was 17 years ago was young. He didn't have a beard and face yet. Now he had his beard and face. Now they didn't recognize him. But the shot is something different, deeper than that. They had beard and face. Why? Because they were shepherds. So what if they were shepherds? As a shepherd, it was easy to stay pure. To stay holy. You're dealing only with sheep. There's no, there's no lush and harder. Try to tell, try, try to tell your sheep lush and harder. See what it's going to get you. Run away from you. He won't run away from you. He's not. He's going to go bad in your face. <laughs> um, the general world at large is not is the exposure that one is exposed to in the general world. A person is more apt to chas fall into wrongdoings. 
Masha'en came a shepherd, was much easier to elevate themselves as Dovan Melech was acting as a shepherd. This are many that acted as shepherds. And therefore, when it came when it came to being a tzaddik, to being righteous, to having a beard and payas, as a shepherd there was no problem. You know they have a lawsuit today with the New York Police Department of the person that wanted to wear the policeman that wanted to to keep his beard. They won't let him keep the beard. Because it's not part of the police department's protocol. It's not proper for the police. Well, that's the Israeli army head, not for the police department. Well, they have a gas mask. Come on. So here, when they showed up at Yesus' doorstep, in the lowest of low in Mitzrayim, and they see what seems to be and what looks like a from Chassidish Yid, they could not recognize him. How is it possible? Malem, if he lived in a ghetto, if he didn't live amongst the Egyptians, okay. But a man that lived not only amongst the Egyptians, but was a politician, not only a politician, was royalty. He's going with a beard and payas? This is what they could not recognize. Yosef tells Parai, I can't help you with your dream. Now, ironically, at the end of last week's Parsha, Yosef tells <coughs> the butler, Remember me. Tell Pari about me and get me out of jail. When does he remember him? When Pari has a dream. What does he tell Pari? This guy knows how to interpret dreams. (coughs) So they go down they clean him up, they shower him, they wash him down, they brush his hair and his beard, put him on deodorant, mm. and they bring him before the king. <clears throat> and what does he say? I can't interpret your dream. God can. We know that in Egypt they dealt with a lot of different idolatry. Therefore, the concept of God, one and only God, not only was not acceptable to them, was not plausible. So for him to say all of a sudden and mention God as a deity, as an entity even, this is as far as it gets. Therefore, when Yosef comes before Pari and says, God will help me to interpret your dream, he knew he was not scoring points with that. 
was sitting once and a chassid came running in crying hysterical and a bunch of soldiers were going through the town and they came into his inn they ordered drinks, they ordered this, they ordered that Decided not to pay. And then when they found out they were only half intoxicated, and they wanted to get fully intoxicated, and they found out there was no more liquor, they started getting violent. And they were ransacking the inn. Even the police that came in to stop them, they won't listen. He says, they're destroying my inn. <coughs> they're threatening to kill me and my family. Abzusha grabbed his coat and said, come. And they come to the inn and the ruckus was going on. And Abzusha screamed out, As we say in Hashanim Kippur, and so give the fear upon all the creation. He became quiet. Then he said a second time, And they now started to Tremble. And when he screamed it a third time, they picked up and started to run for their lives. They started leaving in such a panic, they didn't know which way to get out. They were finding the ways out the window. They were breaking windows. They were... Meantime, the general arrived. Excuse me. The general arrives and they're running past him in hysteria like madmen. They don't even salute. This is a crime punishable by death. He takes his gun and he fires once or twice into the air. They all come to a halt. And he tries to get them all into line. And they're, they're too hysterical. He's trying to ask them what happened and nobody could talk. One soldier starts, He's trying to say the word, He couldn't even get the word out. Finally, they calmed down enough and they told the story. He reprimanded them. He made them give him pay for all the damages, pay for everything else that happened to give compensation. And many of them were duly punished. We see, therefore, the words of a tzaddik can accomplish more than the mind can grasp. So when Yosef says in the name of God, only Hashem could interpret the dream, and therefore He gives the interpretation of the dream, this brought before Him before Pare, before all the Egyptians, a different perspective. Now, if we remember recently, Shimon and Levi killed out an entire city. How did they kill out the entire city? They told them all to have a bris milah. 
They had all the bris on the third day. They all killed. They all got killed. <laughs> imagine your imagine the shock on the faces of the Egyptians when they came to get food from Yosef, and he told them all they have to have a bris milah. They have to have a bris. Anyone that read in the newspapers or went to the library and read up on the story of Shem. No, whenever somebody, any Jew tells you about bris milah, you are in trouble. The bottom line. He doesn't tell them, have a bris milah, become Jewish, start keeping mitzvahs. All he wants from them is a bris milah. What was it? What was the purpose? What was gained by this? Perhaps we can say simply, when the Almighty commands the Avraham Avinu about the Brismila, the Ebesha says to him, Himel Yimel Yilid Beitzcho Umiknas Kaspacho. You should see to it that there is a bris on all your children, <coughs> generations, and those that you own. <coughs> so anyone that was owned by Avram, anyone that was under the Rishus, under the jurisdiction of Avram Avinu, Avram received directive from God that they had to have a bris. At this point in time, Yasef was a shalit al haaretz. Everyone was under his rule and jurisdiction. And Paris says, nobody is to lift a hand. Not a hand or a foot in the entire land of Egypt without Yasef say so. So now they're all under his rishus. They're all under his rishus. And there are those that even bring down the opinion that people in a nation belong to the king. They're his subjects. Therefore, he had to see to it. They all had a bris. He couldn't support them. He couldn't give them food without making sure they had a bris first. We go through a different stage in in the Pasha. (coughs) The brothers all enter a different gate. Yosef accuses them as spies. And then as they leave, they pay for their food, Kvayachl. Yosef sees to it their bags are filled with food and also the money returned to them. Upon arrival at home, they see the money is there. They don't go right back to Egypt. The next visit, they return the money. It was a far trip. Then the Tata tells us, Yasef had a magic goblet officially. When they came into his room, he sat them in their order around the table. How did he do it? What he did was not to prove, not to think, not to give any suspicion. He put this magic goblet in front of him. And he looked at the goblet and he looked at the prinkle and he told him, okay, you hear, you hear, you hear, you hear. This goblet disappears on the next trip out. The tailor tells us they looked, they searched from the largest, the oldest to the youngest. And they found it in Binyamin's bag. 
And the oldest technically is Ruvain. But it says they checked in Shimon's bag and then in Binyamin's. How could it have been the oldest to the youngest if it was Shimon and Binyamin only? When the Jews were stopped and, th- and suspected of stealing the goblet, I said, Yosef, it's as foolish as you're going to get. Why? Because the fact is, when we had your money, we found the money in our bags, we brought back the money to you. We're honest as, as, as straight as arrows. How do you suspect that we stole from you? Yosef says, you know what? That first time, when you brought me back the money, Binyamin wasn't here. That first time, when you went with your money, Shimon stayed in Egypt. So, I knew, or I suspected, that these two, Shimon or Binyamin, were not straight. And that's why it was Shimon and Binyamin that I searched. Because the rest of you I knew were trustworthy. Heaven forbid that your servant will do such a thing. So Rashi says, It's a embarrassment to think this way. Basak says in Devarim, Kiam Kodish Atal Hashem Alekecha. You're a holy nation to God your God. B'nai Yisrael, the Jewish nation, are holy. And they only do things for spirituality and service to God. So we have a question that says in the Torah, the commandment, Six days a week you work and do your work. You have to involve yourself with the physical mundane world. But we're also commanded, All your work should be the Shem Shemayim, the Mishnah says. And in all your ways you should know God. What is derived from this? That when we are working, when we're involved in the mundane world, the idea is to take each and everything that we do, whether it be our computer, whether it be our table, whether it be our chair, whether it be our car, and see to it that we elevate it, we purify it, we see to it that it becomes a, a vessel of spirituality. And that's why the brothers say, It's embarrassing what you're telling us. You're saying to the Shluchah Yasef that's saying it. The fact that you want to tell us and these words are not bound with spirituality, God forbid, this to us is an embarrassment and a total opposite of truth. Because Jews are Am Kaddish. And there's nothing between them and Gashmias of this world. There's no connection we only want to elevate the spirituality. And so this Shabbos, where we're going to be lighting on Arab Shabbos seven lights, and Matzah Shabbos the eighth light, and the most light possible to be brought into the world, because Shabbos itself is light. And therefore the, Shabbos, the light of Shabbos, on top of that the eight full candles, 
we're going to see the ultimate light, the revelation, and the Geula, Hamitas Vashlema Yedei Mashiach Tzidkenu, Nesid Ereina Bereshenu, Shabbat Shalom.